You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lintonello. Good morning, okay. folks, and it's, I hope it's a better morning where you are than where I am. And uh, we just had a miserable time this morning with, I don't know if it was from the storm last night or what it was or is, but we have Mr. Tom Cox and Mr. Richard Lintonello on the line, and it's classic car time, so it's all yours, guys. And I need another frosty Dr. Pepper. (laughs) Yeah, I might just do that during the next break. Put a little something in there to kick it up a bit this morning. All right. A rocky start start this morning for the uh, Classic Car Show with our weekly severe storm segment. (laughs) Anyway, um... We're sorry about that, folks. We really, truly are. Um, it just, it, it is what it is, but I mean, every Saturday morning it seems like we've got storms. Richard, you got them in the middle of the night, and we've got them all around us up here on the mountain. Yeah, it was pretty wild last night. It's like, it's like a miniature tornado came whipping through Knoxville and, uh, yeah, knocked off knocked over flower pots and all that kind of stuff so uh and now we got a leak in my garage right over my tr3 body so i'm not happy oh hell you better fix that immediately i mean that thing will be gone by the morning if you don't get that leak taken care of all you'll find is a pile (laughs) i know those things those cars rust in in like a millisecond (laughs) (laughs) sounds like an emergency Good, good, good thing. Little en- <coughs> good thing. Little Enzo wasn't out in the garage. He could, I mean, out in the yard during the storm, he could have gotten swept away. Uh, right, right. So, so uh, Char- yeah. So earlier, we were talking about Charlotte, and uh, you know, I thought weather was great. Had a good variety of cars out there. Some really, really, really nice cars. Um, gosh. Uh, friend Bob Richmond had his 1910 Buick out there for its <laughs> debut showing uh, that red one god that thing Dude. looked awesome yeah. yeah he did a beautiful restoration and you look at all the suspension and the brass and all the intricate uh, componentry the way they were you know restored and polished and refinished and it was like wow that that is a work of art, really was. So uh, it was nice just to see that car alone. And then there was some oddball stuff too, like the uh, I think it was a '75 Toyota Celica, original yep. owner, thirteen thousand miles, original paint. I mean, when when do you see one of those? But uh, yeah, they were at Charlotte, so it was worth the journey. And, uh, um, collection of Hondas. That was out there. Did you get a good look look at those? All the, the trail bike sizes that were offered in that particular year. It was uh, I don't know seventy two three 
something like that. And they were all yeah, painted were identically. Right. Yeah, that was a treat. So, um, yeah. Gettysburg's next, folks. Be there. Yeah, Gettysburg, uh, AACA Spring Nationals, uh, going to be uh, May 17 through 20. And it's going to be at a great hotel complex there. The two hotels adjacent to one another. There's plenty of parking. And guess what? It's free. And we always have a great show up in Pennsylvania. There's just a, a huge number of car enthusiasts there in PA. And it's always a good show. If we have good weather, we're going to have more cars than you can shake a stick at, as they say up here in the mountains. So um, Yeah, next Next Sunday starts the uh, AACA tour. Uh, it kicks off in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, which is right near here. And uh, that's where they had the top secret Manhattan project, where they created the A-bomb way back when. So uh, they're going to a lot of those facilities on their tour. It kicks off uh, next Sunday in Oak Ridge. So I'm going to, you know, zip by. It's only about 15 miles from me. And uh Check out all the cars in the parking lot before they hit the road. So, uh, yeah, the summer's here, folks. Get out there with your car and get it ready. Have fun. Life's too short. Keep it in the garage. Life is too short to stay on the couch. Get in the garage. So, uh, Greenbrier is coming up close. That's uh, May 5 through 7. And so, you and I will be there. Two weeks? Yeah. Yeah, looking forward to that. That's, that's a nice event. So, uh yeah. And you'll have a crankshaft booth there, too. Yeah. We're going to have a you know nice table set up. My wife is going to be there uh, manning the booth and uh, while well, I'll be out judging. And uh, speaking of crankshaft, it's now finished. Issue 6, buttoning up today. And then tomorrow, uh, Monday we'll do the final, uh, you know, go through and look at, uh, see if there's any errors, make sure all the the page numbers are correct in order and all that minor stuff that you forget sometimes. And then hopefully be sent to the printer by mid-next week. So uh, we're excited about that. So it's going to be a good issue. Go to enjoy it, folks. Uh, you've got some killer, killer stuff in there. Um, you know, everything from mild to wild and everything in between. So some really, really, really good stuff. Uh a Super Duty Pontiac that's never been covered before, right? Yeah, a 62 Catalina Super Duty with the aluminum front end. Guy's owned it since 1979. And, uh, again, found it right here in my backyard in Knoxville. And uh, that, that's an interesting story, as well as a 1950 Ford Business Coupe. Original paint, original interior, original floor mat, you know, the rubber the floor covering. Everything about this car is totally the way it rolled off the assembly line. And, uh, yeah, it's a great story. So, uh, again, you want to like it, folks. Never had a shoebox Ford. Um, but, you know, they were the car that saved Ford Motor Company. Uh, they sure did. And, 1949. Uh, yep. Yeah, just great cars. I, I have a ton of friends who have shoebox Fords and... Uh, my cousin had one. He called it Captain Harry. But, uh, yeah, the adventures of Captain Harry. <laughs> so uh, it, it, there's also another 
really neat event coming up. It's going to be the Mid-Atlantic Pre-War Swap Meet, and it's sort of the East Coast's uh, slightly smaller version of Chickasha, and that's going to be May 12th through 13th in Luray, Virginia. I've been up there, uh, I went up there pre-COVID, but I've not been since COVID. I'm going to try to roll up there one day because it's only about two and a half hours from the office, so uh, I may just go in and escape, run up to Luray. Um, so you and I were talking about various things while we were down in Charlotte and then in, in the interim, and we got on this subject of things that drive us nuts, things that we just absolutely don't like or get annoyed with in the, in the car hobby. And for something that we love so much and have been involved with for so many years, you find there are things that just get under your skin and they continue to get under your skin year after year after year. And, uh, you know, I think one of mine that I really find annoying and that is the constant rattle and hum about having to rip out the original power plant on every car out there. I mean, now, and this is for coming from people who are not, you know, interested in street riding the cars. They're interested in maintaining a stock appearance, but they feel like, oh, my gosh, the engine, it's not reliable because it's old, so on and so forth. I've got to yank it out and put in an LS1. I hadn't been too long ago, I, I saw a classified ad for a 63 Cadillac sedan to build, and they'd put a 350 in it. They yanked the 390 and put a 350 in there. And come on. The 390 was a great engine. Um, it had gone through many iterations and a, a nice evolution from the 50s on through. I mean, good, solid bones on those engines, and there's nothing unreliable about them. Unreliable about them at all. Drives me nuts. I I totally agree with you. I mean, I don't know why they do things like that. Is it for convenience? Because they could go to an auto parts store and buy a 350 small block over the counter. You know, it's more affordable. Who knows? But it's, it, I kind of frown on it. I mean, I know it's not a permanent, you know, uh, change, but you can always put the uh, old engine back. But why do it in the first place? That's how I look at it. You know, you have that car for, or to enjoy characteristics that it was designed and engineered and built with. So why change it? Just don't buy that car. Yeah. Buy another something else. You know, well, uh, and then on top of that, most people don't change the springs or their suspension or anything else. It's, you know, when you take that 390 out, you drop in a 350, you're changing the characteristics of the car, too. It's never going to, it's not going to ride the same as it did when it was brand new. Uh, it's time for a break, folks. More complaining when we get back. <laughs> When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? 
Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. And now, back to the classic car show on America. Oops. Call J.C. Taylor today for a competitive quote on collector car insurance. Give your most prized possessions the attention that they deserve. You'll receive agreed value coverage, giving you the peace of mind to know you're always protected. J.C. Taylor has been supporting the hobby with reliable service that has lasted for six decades. Call 888-ANTIQUE or visit jctaylor.com slash awr to get a quote today. That's 888-268-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. And now, back to the classic car show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. Welcome back. We're here. We're, we're back, and 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 so are the so are the storms. The lightning and thunder is rolling up here on the mountain. Hope hopefully I, I don't end up smitten, but uh, you know if we do, it's been fun. Uh, so again, talking about engines, you know, if you're going to build a complete resto mod, then you know what, you're probably going to replace the drivetrain, you're going to do a lot of mods into the interior, you're going to do a lot of different things to the car. But if you're just looking for dependability and you want to drive the car and enjoy the car in its stock condition, stick with the original motor. Uh, trust me, I, I've taken these cars on long trips, hundreds and hundreds of miles, but everything and i know because i've done it and my cars have these <laughs> i can put everything that i need for everything except for a catastrophic failure in a milk crate and and stick right. it in the trunk in terms well, of not parts. if you own a trunk you need five milk crates but then you got no room to carry them because the trunks are too small but then you're through <laughs> so have your, have your triple a card and make sure you have uh you know, your membership is up to date, so you can get a tow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or keep a, keep Woo. a keep a small broom handy, so you know you can just sweep it to the side when it uh, breaks down. Um, you know, but you know, speaking of re- replacement engines, there's this growing trend, which I know is going to get even more popular in the coming years, is to remove the beautiful internal combustion engine and replace it with one of these electric motors so you go green so you know you're driving around in a 1952 Studebaker but there's no noise, there's no sound there's no rumble you just got this electric motor under the hood and they're doing these retrofits and I don't know I mean I'm not for it because 
it's really not doing anything to help the environment because you got to plug it in at night. And where do you get that power from? Oh, yeah, an old fossil-fired power plant. So yeah, it, it's kind of foolish. So I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, not for that. We're not there yet, as no. they say. Um, we're no. just not there yet. And, you know, the other part of it is, okay, everyone talks about batteries and we're not you know i don't want to go down a rabbit hole but everyone talks about the batteries the lithium and this and that and the other thing and all the other things that go into the batteries and you know there is a finite supply of this stuff out there and unfortunately the chinese control the vast majority of it do your homework folks we know what we're talking about the chinese are going to control the battery market which we're not very happy about um but the other part of it is the motors. The motors use a lot of rare earth minerals as well. So it cobalt just the batteries. Yeah. Right, right. It's, it's, it's not just the batteries. It's the electric motors as well. They require rare earth minerals. So I don't know. I don't know what the you know final end result is going to be. I, I'm, from a personal point of view, I've been paying very close attention to what companies like Cummins and there's an outfit in Australia and what they're doing in terms of hydrogen power. Uh, basically, they're able to do conversions on internal combustion, you know, conventional internal combustion engines and convert them to hydrogen and produce the same amount or more power. Uh, I'm thinking, you know, who what? Who knows? That may be the alternative, maybe the logical uh, next step. Because, you know, electric. I know people that have bought the Ford Lightnings and towed with them. It's been a disaster. Uh, it really has. I know a lot of people out there are going to hate to hear that. I'll probably get some some ob- obnoxious uh, texts and emails over it, but. That's just the way it is. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. Right now, there is no reason, no reason at all to do that. So I'm with you on that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you know, five, ten years' time, they'll, you know, make the electric more efficient or, you know, use less power from the grid. Who knows? But we're not there yet, folks. So, no. so, so, so what else uh, gets you mad about the, uh, you know, electric car hobby? I don't so, know. And, <laughs> okay. What? White wall tires. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the white, white wall tires, I think it's the grossest thing that you could do to your automobile. I don't care if it's a 1930 package speedster or, you know, 48, you know, a Buick, whatever. I see those things, I just... Your eye goes directly to the tire. It it distracts from the lines of the car, and that's what bothers me. You want to look at the car and appreciate for for what it is—the design, the style, the shape, the lines—and you got these giant marshmallows, and your eye goes right to them. I mean, I just don't understand. I don't get it. And what's even worse, you have a car like, let's say, a fifty Ford Business Coupe. You know. They were stripped-down cars, stripped-down models. Uh, and you see them now with these wide, white wall tires. 
99% of them had black walls. You know, yeah, white walls were an option by Ford. Most of them were dealer installed, but come on, folks. You're dolling up <laughs> a car that just doesn't need it. I I don't know. They really bought a lot of the A lot of the classics, I'll have to agree with you and Wes Peterson on that. A lot of the classics tend to look, in my opinion, much classier in black walls. You know, you, you take like a 1923 Buick Sport Touring. Those cars look great with black walls, and they look a little overdone with white walls. Although some of the cars did come with white walls, um, you know, even yeah. double white walls. That would be enough to really drive you nuts, huh? White walls on both oh. sides, huh? Pain. Okay. But now, think about this, though. 56 Lincoln Continental Mark II. No white walls? No. No. No white walls. Black, black walls is so sophisticated. It's understated elegance. I just don't like what? 58 Cadillac Eldorado Brits. No. Black walls. And what's even worse, you'll see like a Jaguar XK120 Roadster with white walls. It's like, come on. It's disgusting. Yeah, they do look pretty, pretty bad with white walls. I'll give you that. They I don't do. know. They, but, you know, mid-60s cars, I think a, a thin white wall looks good on. A lot of them Some came of them, with right, the thin the one white walls. Right. You know, well, Cadillac with the Vogue, you know, the later ones, right? I think it's pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, just just not my cup of tea, as they say. <laughs> um, so, right up there with the engine swap, the other knee-jerk reaction to most people that are just getting involved with an antique car, they go online they see all of these people, probably half of whom have never actually performed any of the mechanical work themselves. But everybody's telling them first thing you got to do is put disc brakes on. Okay? Yeah. All right. Disc brakes will definitely stop the car more quickly, perhaps. But you got to figure these cars were designed and built with with the drum brakes it's more of a difference in driving it's like driving a triumph spitfire versus driving a 73 cadillac fleetwood okay right there's just a difference you know you've you've you got to allow more room you know you you can't jump out of your 2018 BMW and then jump into your 55 DeSoto and expect to have the same stopping distance. But if those cars are, everything is as it should be, everything is adjusted correctly, everything's in good working order, they, they'll stop you. No problem. It's just a matter of changing habits and, and getting accustomed to it, just like changing cars. You're driving that 73 Cadillac 
Fleetwood, it's going to take, even with this brakes, it's going to take you longer to stop than Richard's triumph. True. And the way I look at it, if, if you want your, you know, let's say a 1952 Pontiac, the ride, stop, and handle like your late model Honda Acura, uh, then just stick with your Acura. Why'd you buy the Pontiac? The reason you buy old cars is to experience how they were designed and built and engineered. And that's part of the characteristics. That, that's the joy of enjoying those characteristics. You plan ahead. And then you read these, these, these stupid, you know, disc brake conversion articles in magazines like Hot Rod and things like that. Oh, you have to eliminate brake fade. Well, you don't have brake fade if, you know, you're driving normally down the street. You only have brake fade is if you're on a racetrack and you're slamming on the brakes every 30 seconds, you know? So, uh, yeah, I like cars for what they are. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a modified hot rod and things like that, but that's totally different. So, you're right. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah that's a good, good intro into my next beef, and that is um, to uh, quote Rodney King. Why can't we all just get along? And that's this. So, you know, people are going to participate in this hobby at the level they wish. They're the ones spending the money. The person that owns the car. They're spending the money, they're spending the time, they're spending the effort. I'm okay with modified cars. I happen to love restored stock cars, but I'm okay with modified cars. If it's done prop, done well, um, but, you know, so many people, there's so much vitriol that comes out when we're on social media and other platforms or even at shows, you know, everybody, why did you ruin that? Well, it is a matter of who owns the car, what they want, and what they like. As far as I'm concerned, I want more people involved in the car hobby. I don't want to impugn someone else's taste, you know. I, I might not care for Renault Caravels. In fact, I, I really don't like Renault Caravels. I almost got killed in a Renault Caravel. But I don't go around saying, you know, hey, your Renault Caravel, it, it sucks. It's a piece of junk. Get it the hell out right. of here. You know what I'm saying? Um, right. No, I appreciate the fact somebody likes it. And I think everybody should get along. The other, and one of the main reasons we need to all get along and coexist and understand one another, one is, you know, a lot of parts for restorations come from modified vehicles. If I know a lot of street rod guys, modified guys, custom guys, that they save the parts that they take off. Make it make them available to restorers. Um, I do have an issue when it comes to really rare cars. Uh, some people that modify cars, they go for the rarest car they can get their hands on, and they want to modify it because of its rarity. And I, I'm not big on that because I'm all ultimately I'm all about the history and the preservation. Um, yeah, you need to leave a few How around, you know. Right, I was at a show once, I saw this uh, highly customized 
Graham Sharpnose. I wanted to go up to the guy and whack him in the head with a baseball bat. It's like, there's a million type of, there's Chevelles and Novas and all kinds of things, Galaxy that you can modify. You're taking this ultra rare sharp nose and you're, you're chopping it up? I mean, what kind of brains do you have? I mean, that that is, that is a mortal thing. <laughs> no. Oh, it is. I, I have a tough time with that. And, you know, and as I do sometimes with the restorers, too, um, several years back, I noticed an ad for a 39 Hub, Hubmobile Model E. So I called the guy, talked to him, so on and so forth. Well, he ended up inheriting an estate, but whomever it was, the relative, bought this 39 Model E, which was a nice, original 39 Hubmobile Model E, and decided after watching a bunch of television shows, hey, he's going to cut the top, chop the top, and, you know, channel it and all this stuff. And so he just stripped the car apart willy-nilly and got out the gas axe and started cutting the top off and so on and so forth. He'd ruined the car to the point where it wasn't even usable as a street rod, practically. I mean, you know, you can well, make something out of anything if you spend enough money and time, okay? But it really, it wasn't. It was scrap. And, and that's, that's what happened. Yeah, that's what happened to the, to most of the parts to it. They got scrapped. But I was able to get, you know, radiator and a whole bunch of other parts um, that were scattered about in the garage down there. Um, and re- restorers. Somebody starts to take apart a car. I, I sold a guy a 58 Cadillac, 62,000 original mile car. Mint interior. It could not have been any better, including the car, the original carpets and everything. Sold it to the guy. He decided, you know, it ran well, only had 59, 60,000 miles on it. He decides, well, I need to pull the engine out so I can replace all the gaskets and the seals, this and that and the other thing. And then, okay, well, I guess you're going to restore it. And, and, well, I would have left it original, but, you know, it's your car. So he pulls the engine out and disassembles the engine. Three years later, I drive by his place. That car is out in the open next to his garage. The hood is off. Windshield's broken out of it, and it's oh, gone. Man. Just totally right. gone. So that it's all needs to be. That's on bad. both sides of the aisle, yeah. Uh, you know, so it's not always just street riders that hack. That you know, people that don't know what they're doing, they start hacking stuff up, and then they render it completely useless for anybody. And then they stop the project, and it all gets sold for whatever few parts you can get, and then it ends up in the scrapyard. And that fifty-eight Cadillac—that's what happened to it. Oh wow, we're up on our last break. Since the 1960s, J.C. Taylor has been America's premier specialty insurance provider for classic cars, antique autos, modified, and custom vehicles. Our customers have trusted us to protect their prized possessions for more than six decades. For more information, or to receive a quote, contact our expert team today by calling 888-ANTIQUE 
or by visiting our website at jctaylor.com slash awr. That's 888-268-4783. Or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories. The type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. And now, back to the classic car show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. Okay. So we were talking about things we don't like in the all-car hobby. So there is something I don't like. is not as bad as wide, white wall cars, but pretty damn close. <laughs> and, that, and that is those ugly... Continental kits. The ones that don't belong on the cars, that extend the back of the car like, you know, 20 inches. They're just awful. I mean, it throws off the proportions of the car, and it just looks cheap. I hate those things. And it's the same type of people who put that crap on their cars that they have to have every single accessory that that car was made with on their car. I, I think, I don't know why they do that. I mean, I like strip-down cars. I, I like entry-level models with, you know, just the bare basics. I just think that a pure automobile, not not a dolled-up, you know, uh, picture of its former self. Uh, I like things basic. And when I see cars loaded with every single accessory, including spot lamps and those ugly Continental kits, I just walk away. I don't even look at it. <laughs> I don't even want to look at it. It just hurts my stomach. It hurts your eyes. I, it I does. have to agree. If the car, even the cars that were designed to accept an optional factory Continental kit, uh, they, they can still be annoying. I have a 57 Hudson that has a Continental kit on it. You know, yeah. getting in and out of the trunk is a hassle. You know, you, you have to, there's a latch, you know, that allows the spare to flop back, and then you got to open the trunk, but you still got to reach over everything. Yeah, it's a pain. And I agree you know, with you, you. Yeah, you you look at the early birds, the 55, 6, and 57. Only the 56 had that Continental kit. And it's the ugliest one of them all, you know. It just throws off the proportions of a car. I, I just don't get it. I don't know. Maybe it's me. I don't know. Boy, they. I don't like them. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with you. I, I'm not a big fan of those either. Um, like I said, and, and even in the practical situations where they actually came on the car, there's still an aggravation. 
because it's just tough to get in and out of the trunk, get the trunk open. You know, I'd always, when I'm, when I go through that process, either on my car or with someone else's, I'm always left thinking, whose idea was it to do this in the first place, you know? <laughs> I know. I mean, if, 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 if I'm on a show field and I'm walking down the road looking at cars and I see a car with a giant continental fit and wide white wall tires, I cover my eyes and I jump to the other row. I just don't even want to look at it. I don't want to be near it. It's just, it gives me We're going to have to get a really, a, really, a really dark pair of sunglasses and some counseling. <laughs> That's what we need to do. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I want to go up to the owners. What's wrong with you? <laughs> have, you <laughs> no, have you no class? <laughs> okay. Now, see, now, now we're getting out there on the edge again. You know, we've all got to. Can't we all just get along? <laughs> well, we can. Um, but don't, don't go to the show that I'm at. Go to another show. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Another thing that really starches my shorts, uh, cheap reproductions, crappy reproductions, and they're out there. Uh, You know, fortunately, technology is a little bit better. A lot of the stuff is a little better, but you still, from time to time, you, you run into really just crappy reproductions, whether it's fender replacement aftermarket fenders so you can't find, you know, NOS and you end up buying it. They're all stamped in China. They're not exactly right. Um, just helping a friend with a car not that many years ago. The replacement fenders that he got for his car, we actually had to split the fender and add a strip so that everything would line up correctly because it just wasn't made properly at all. Uh, you know what those you know, fenders are good for? To hang bond up on so you could reshape it to the proper contour. That's all they're good for. Oh, uh, God, no. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to do it right, sometimes those things are just awful. And this speaks to having, you know, connection with a car club, connection with enthusiasts online and elsewhere because whatever you're getting ready to go through there's always a guy or gal that's already gone through the same process before and they can warn you about these things Um, there are different manufacturers the same replacement fenders don't all come from the same company there are different manufacturers yeah right yeah Yeah. it's a very good idea there is. There's some good stuff out there. And uh, you just need to talk to people so that you figure out how to bypass all of the garbage that's out there. Um, you know, lately I've heard a ton of complaints about reproduction tires. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, cracking quick, you know, within a year's time, two years' time, starting oh. to show cracks. Yep. Inner tubes yeah. that are complete garbage that are so paper thin out of China that they're almost impossible to work with without punching a hole in. Um, just it's just really annoying when you have crummy parts. You're doing all that work, putting in all that time and effort. Your project is taking a long time to begin with, 
and then you end up with some piece of garbage that comes to you and you put it on your car and it just goes to you know where in a hand basket overnight it's just it's not fun so right. talk to everybody else figure out what everyone else's experiences are as of late it'll give you a clue you can avoid some of the heartache um tv shows okay Good. yes i know Good. some of you know that i was involved a number of years back with a television show. I can tell you one thing. Not one thing was scripted when we did our program. Nothing. Um, we It was all from the hip. And you know, now you watch some of these shows, and they're doing a restoration or they're doing a, a build in like three days. Folks, it doesn't happen in the real world. It just doesn't. Um it drives me crazy. You know, I know a guy who has a restoration shop in Connecticut, and he does fabulous work. And he told me uh, last year that people actually come into his shop now and wanting to have their cars restored, and they don't understand why it takes, you know, a year. And they say, but on TV, they do it so fast. And they're actually saying this. People think you can restore a car in a week, two weeks. I mean... Sometimes you need 30 days for the primer to shrink before you can put the next top coat on. I mean, it's just it's just all false. It's wrong, and they're sending a wrong message out there to a lot of people who just don't get it. No, yeah, and so much of and and not all of it, but so much of it is contrived as well. And you've got producers in the middle of everything, you know. They're finding cars, but they're not really finding cars. They're barn finds that really aren't barn finds. I mean, it's yeah, a lot of it is fiction, and it annoys right. me. The other thing that annoys me is nomenclature, particularly on television shows. Nomenclature in general, but in on television shows, you know, it, I. I watched a show not long ago. They referred to a four-door hardtop as a hardtop convertible. You know? Get a clue. You know, it's not a convertible. It's a four-door hardtop. Well, yeah, you see a lot of that, and that's why I don't watch those shows. I mean, my, my favorite TV show is graveyard cars because I like the quality of their Mopar restorations. I just don't like when that knucklehead starts, you know, doing all these stupid dances and all this stuff. Just talk about the cars already. We want to know the details. We want to know the process of the restoration and the paintwork and, you know, all the different, uh, you know, NOS parts that you found and how do you fit them. That's what we want to know. We don't want to know about your stupid t-shirts that you wear and you know, how you act like a moron. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, most of these shows I, I just don't watch. I ugh, I cringe. Mm, not for me. I uh, There was a program I used to watch when the History Channel was the History Channel. Uh, I think it was called Wheels. Uh, but at any rate, it was all just historical, biographical-type automotive information. It was a great show great show without all the contrived drama and all the insanity and everything else and all the incorrect information the oversimplifications you know yep 
I, I think Ted uh, Gross was behind. Very well done. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was a great, it was a great, great program. And I, I think you can buy buy it on um, buy the DVDs uh, in a collection. Um, no, it was a guy a guy by the name of Herman. His last name was Herman, and I cannot think of his first name now. Um, he oh. died way too young. But uh, but anyhow, a great program. So there are some good programs out there. Um, you know, so we're talking about things that we dislike. There's one more thing I'll throw out there that I dislike. You know, I think that the improvements in headlights that you can... Uh-huh avail yourself of, whether they're 6 or 12 volts, are significant safety improvements. I know a lot of people, like, you know, hey, you know, tungsten halide was what we had, and, you know, by God, you better love it. Um, But now they make newer headlights with better quality, and the lighting is superior. You can see much better at night. But yet, they haven't sacrificed the superficial look of the original headlamp bulb. You know, now with tail lamps, you know, you can you can use LED bulbs without, you know, getting away with it. I mean, you stop and think, you know, 1950 Chevrolet, you know how tiny those taillights are on those cars? You can barely see them in the pitch black dark. LED is a little bit of an up upgrade that I think safety safety is a big thing you know for me and I think upgraded lighting should be accepted everywhere uh, as long as it resembles the original and uh, I'm big on that I agree anybody that doesn't accept that mm. yeah. mm. so right. <laughs> Good I'm thing trying to about think. the hobby. Go ahead. Just trying to think of some other things that I find incredibly annoying. I mean, besides, uh, you know, white walls and continental kits, I mean, and just loading your car up with accessories, there really isn't much else. I mean, I like cars for what they are. Uh, you know, if, if you tweak it and modify it and customize it slightly, it's more power to you. But like we said, you have a Graham shock nose, don't chop the top. You want to make it bright yellow and put Halibrands on it, fine. That's reversible. But don't chop it and do it, ruin the integrity of the car. That's when I go berserk. So. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. I, um, I, I've, I've always wanted to create an endanger, endangered species list, basically, for automobiles. Right. Something to publish out there, you know. It says, "Hey, you know, think twice before you destroy one of these because there's so few of them out there." You know, 1939 Willys pickup, all of them. You know, that would make the list. That would make the endangered species list for sure. Um, But you know, like you're saying, and and we're gonna have to wrap up before long but all in all we love the hobby you love it I love it we love the people we love the cars there's so much 
positive energy out there in this hobby. It, it's, it's like a brotherhood. Everybody helps everybody out, you know, for the most part. For the most part, you got bad players in anything. But, uh, All right. yeah, I the love. There is. Ra- Raise the flag. You, bel- you agree with me? Raise the flag. <laughs> yes. All right. We got to go, folks. Bye. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.